Welcome to the QNS podcast. We're here in the Queen's Courier newsroom, so if you hear people talking or phone ringing, just know that everyone's just hard at work. By the way, I am Jacob K. And I'm Angelica Acevedo. Today on the show, a conversation with Queensboro President Candidate Elizabeth Crowley. Elizabeth Crowley is a former city council member, and she's currently a candidate for borough president. She represented Glendale, Ridgewood, Maspeth, and Middle Village from 2009 until 2017. As she'll tell you in a bit, she was the first woman and the first Democrat to ever represent that district in the city council. Her bid for borough president revolves around the idea that Queens deserves its fair share. She believes that for too long, Queens has gotten the short end of the stick or has been left out of the conversation entirely. She's looking to change that by fighting for a new transportation plan. She wants to fight overcrowding in Queens schools, and she says she's going to fight for fair taxes for Queens homeowners. Just a reminder, the special election for Queensboro president is on March 24th, and you can vote early. This is the first special election in New York City history where you can cast your vote before election day, so try and take advantage of that. You'll have 10 extra days starting on March 14th to vote early. I think I actually might just try it out because, you know, there's no reason not to. Anyway, you can find out more information about early voting at vote.nyc. And without further ado, here is our conversation with Queensborough President Candidate Elizabeth Crowley. Thank you for joining us, Elizabeth Crowley. Great to be here. Thank you, Angelica. Thanks for having me on your podcast. Yay, yes. Yay, yay, yay. (laughs) Why don't you tell us about yourself and why you decided that right now was the right time to run for Queensborough President? Well, we have an open seat. We need a leader for the borough. And I feel that my experience will put me in a position to best represent the people of Queens. We are growing faster than planners could have ever imagined, and our community needs help. All of our communities, they could use more school, more housing, uh, better jobs and opportunities. And I believe that I'm in a position to uniquely help all of our Queens residents and all of our families. So why don't you tell us a little bit about you know, your background and... I was born and raised in Elmhurst, Queens. My first school was PS 102. I was born the 14th of 15 children. (laughs) I have 11 older sisters, three older brothers, and one younger sister, all from the same two parents. And you can imagine what life was like uh, growing up in one household. I can't. (laughs) Can't imagine. (laughs) Well, there never was a dull moment. I love my big family. My mom, I give a lot of credit to because sadly my dad passed away when I was only seven. So uh, my mom raised me most of my life as a single mom. She showed me, she set an example that was strong. She helped community. She was an educator. And when I saw her firsthand help families, I saw how her work changed communities. If elected Queensboro president, what would be your top three priorities? Like the first thing. Right. Improving transportation. Our borough is a complete transit desert. I have a plan to take our rails that are existing that aren't running any passenger trains right now and put passenger service on these lines. Lines like the Triborough Extension, the Lower Montauk Branch of the Long Island Railroad, and the Rockaway Beach Branch uh, as it intersects the Lower Montauk Branch by Forest Park. That could bring 20 square miles of transit access in an otherwise transit desert. So that's my plan for transit. But you said three. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so in addition, schools, uh, we have seven community education council districts in the whole borough, and five are severely overcrowded. 
If you look at the whole city, uh, most of the overcrowding is here in Queens. In addition, per pupil, we're getting a lot less, about $1,800 fewer compared to Brooklyn or the Bronx. Like, why is our borough getting treated this way? And why aren't our leaders standing up uh, stronger and louder, saying it's time for our kids to get their fair share? And then, you know, when you have... Uh, good schools and better transit, you build more job opportunities. Too many of our families are struggling and not making enough money to pay the rent. And the rent is too damn high and because we don't have enough housing. So when you say third priority, it sort of gets mixed between opportunity and housing. I think we need to uh, either, uh, we certainly don't have enough housing supply. And I think that when we build out our transit network, we'll have more options because our current major lines, such as the 7 train or the E train, they're really operating at capacity. So we need relief for those lines. And that's where we should really build our new housing on these uh, railroad lines I'm talking about. I didn't know that I was going to one day be uh, elected official or have a chance to serve the people of Queens. I was in the council for nine years. And before that, you know, when I studied in college, I studied art restoration, and I worked on some great historic landmarks in New York City, and it was with my union that represented me that I became more active. And then I went back to school, I studied urban planning and architecture, and I was a single mom at the time, going back to school, working. So I know the struggles of working families, certainly, but what I also learned while, while studying uh, in grad school was how to build properly and sustainably. And we need a master planner in the borough president's office. Uh, you represent a District 30, which includes Glendale, Masspeth, Middle Village, and Ridgewood, right? And you were there for nine years. Nine years. It went by quickly. Yeah. Uh, today I just got the endorsement of Liz Holtzman. And she is a former U.S. Congresswoman as well as the city controller. And um, when she was elected to Congress, she was uh, the youngest woman ever like she was only 30 and at the time she took out an incumbent that was there for 50 years but I thought of that she's like oh we only started working together a few years ago and I was like hey uh, Liz that was actually 2013 seven years ago time flies and that was right in the middle of my uh, tenure as council member I had two full terms and a year uh, of a previous member's term I won in a special election year so when I won I won as the first woman ever elected to that seat, the first Democrat, and also the first union member. Yeah, and what is that, why is that important, especially for that? Well, we need more women elected in the city council. Right now, we only have 12 out of 51 members. There are some committees that meet without a woman's voice. Uh, our monies in the government, like our tax dollars and resources, are getting spent without a woman sitting at the table. Study after study says no matter what kind of board it is, corporate board, community board, or legislative body, it is more productive if you have diversity and certainly gender diversity. And critical mass is at least 30%. So even like a private consulting company such as McKinsey has studied this for years and years and years. And they have put out a pretty good report saying that if you want, if you care about productivity uh, and if you care about efficiency, then if you're a company and you have the ability to shape your board, you want to make sure that that board is diverse. And 
how could we, the most progressive city, have so few women on our city council? So that's something dear to me. You know, after leaving the council, I focused heavily on building out an organization I founded, 2121. And that's running strong, and that has the goal of electing at least 21 women to the city council by the year 2021, bringing uh, true gender diversity. And so while that's important to me, I'm not sure I even answered your question totally about my years on the council. So I'd like, I can go back into that. Sure. If you want, are there any, like, big things that you did for the district? Oh, yeah. When I talk about how overcrowded right now our school districts are in Queens, I had the most overcrowded school district, District 24, when I inherited it as a council member, I promised. I remembered when I was a student at 102, PS 102, having to learn in a classroom that was a maintenance room. I had to cross, I had to cut through my auditorium to get to that overcrowded uh, maintenance room that was actually having like little to no windows and it was actually my classroom. So fast forward many, many years later to when I'm representing and taking oath, I promised the constituents that I represented that I would bring more schools to the district. And while I was there, we built two brand new high schools, four new elementary schools, and we put extensions on existing schools, building out over 6,000 brand new seats and, and taking what was once the most overcrowded school district, and today it's no longer overcrowded. To me, that was a huge achievement as a council member for that district. But I look at my time on the council as serving the entire city, the entire city on issues such as um, fire and criminal justice. I was the chair of that committee. Uh, when the mayor wanted to close firehouses, I fought to stop him, not just once, but three times. And this is a mayor, Bloomberg, the, he was actually effective in closing some firehouses at one point. But our neediest families need the services, especially when it comes to emergency medical help. You know, Queens, we have some of the highest response times. You have a lot of need for hospital beds too, but you need to get to the hospital alive first before. And the bigger problem in my eyes is not having EMS, uh, not having enough tours. And we need to really work to reduce the response time. So while I was a council member, I was able to work with the fire department to increase uh, the number of tours, but we still need to do more so that our residents are safe, God forbid, there's an emergency. I've spoken to some people in that district, and some of them say that, you know, Ridgewood sometimes feels like the forgotten neighborhood in Queens. What do you think about that? I feel like Queens is the forgotten borough. But what I think about Ridgewood, I can say this. When I got to the council, I saw that we had a landmark preservation commission that focused mainly on Manhattan. And while I was in the council, I was able to get three historic districts for Ridgewood that are all connected. And we have over 1,100 buildings that are now landmarked today and preserved forever because of the designation. And so we didn't forget about Ridgewood when it came to historic landmarking. And it is the largest district uh, in Queens. Recently, still talking about District 30, um, recently there's been a lot of you know issues with Glendale residents when it comes to the homeless shelter that just recently opened on Cooper Avenue. Have you been keeping up with that? What do you think about that issue? I'm really disappointed in Mayor de Blasio and his failed homelessness policies. We're um, paying a lot of money, I mean, over $2 billion a year just to house homeless families. And on average, the families are there for longer than a year. They're having trouble finding permanent housing. And when you think about the cost of housing, it's like a family could stay in luxury housing for the price. So I think that um, we have real reform needed in the Department of Homelessness. And um, 
eager to get to the borough president's office to work to implement real reform and changes. What do you think about development projects such as Sunnyside Yards and your LIC that are coming yeah. to Queens, you know, that right. are like in the middle of developing? What do you think sure. about that? Well, earlier I mentioned how the 7 train and the E train are running at like capacity sometimes to try to get on that 7 train certain hours of the day, certainly close to 9 o'clock in the morning when folks are getting to work probably in Manhattan. There, there's sometimes you have to wait for a few trains to pass before you can hop on. And so I think that we have to be smarter about our development, and that's part of my transit plan. That's why we need more train lines. So when it comes to Sunnyside Yards, yeah, it's valuable because many train lines meet there, but I have a plan where you don't have to deck over properties. A lot of the area that these train lines I spoke about before, Triborough Extension, Rockaway Beach Line, and the Lower Montauk Branch, they have underdeveloped areas all along the right-of-way where we can build housing, where we can build more job opportunities. And we don't have to pay a billion dollars to deck over a square acre. And that's what they had to pay in the west side of Manhattan. And that's what they'd have to pay in Sunnyside before doing any development. So I'm not sure how cost-effective it is to focus on that part of Long Island City. And I tell you, I'm disappointed with a lot of the development that's happened in Long Island City and Astoria because not enough affordable housing has been built. And my campaign is different than my colleagues who are running because I'm not seeking developers' monies. I've got the most grassroots effort here. I have surpassed over 2,000 contributors. Last time I checked, more than doubled the fundraising of my opponents. And that has to do with sheer people power. Residents of Queens getting behind this campaign, and the momentum is getting stronger and stronger by the day. So I feel good about that, and that's because it's for the right reasons, and we need somebody in the borough president's office there for the right reasons and not beholden to real estate developers. So what what would be like your ideal situation when it comes to those developments? Because it kind of feels like they're going to come regardless. You they're know? not, because they have to have, uh, you really need to have the borough president's office, city council, and city planning all agreeing that the development makes sense. The developments of the past, some are going to be able to be built as of right. But if the rezoning is needed, our community boards must be engaged. And our community boards must reflect the diversity. And great change is coming to our boards. We have 700 people, potential of having 700 people, and many of them can be new people over the next year and a half. The borough president has the ability to reshape the way we move forward with community boards. So we're asking everybody because we think it's a fun conversation to have, but what do you think about this progressive wave slash movement happening in Queens politics right now? I think it's great. I think that more people who I, I think when I think about the progressive movement I think it's more young people coming out and getting involved in the process and whether someone identifies as progressive moderate conservative everyone has a right to voice their opinion um, to protest if they want to protest about something but the most important thing is to vote and we have over a million voters in Queens on average about 10 percent of people vote it's it's something that needs to change, and we have to make the voting process easier and engage people in ways that we haven't done yet. So I like that when you go on Google and you get close to Election Day, it's encouraging people to register 
And I like that people are taking more action and getting involved in um, social issues uh, of great importance. Your campaign has been really successful um, on several measures, most notably fundraising, like you said. Uh, what else are you doing to get the word out? Oh, we have, we have volunteers, people out there knocking on doors. We're going to subway stops where we have visibility, uh, gauging voters on their way to work or school, wherever they're going. And we're going to be doing phone calls and getting out the vote. We have early voting, too. Ten days before March 24th, people can start to vote on March 14th. It's coming up. It's coming up. And that means that people can start voting in three and a half weeks. Thanks for having me on your podcast. Thanks for coming. Are you looking for something to do this week? I am. Well, that's good because we got you covered. Actually, you got us covered. Tell us, <laughs> tell us what we're doing this weekend. I do. I know everything that's going on. Claudia Prado is a poet and Sol Aramandi is an artist and together they're hosting the Written in the Body workshop, which will explore the characteristics of the moving human body through creative writing and image making. It's on Friday, February 28th from 10 a.m. to noon at the Langston Hughes branch of the Queens Public Library in Corona. And it's free. Two cultures, one stage, an open dance floor. Come enjoy dance lessons while you enjoy the music of Michael Winograd and his clarinet. There will also be tunes from Venezuelan Afro Soul, Betsaida Machado, y Paranda El Clavo. It's on Saturday, February 29th at Flushing Town Hall at 7.15 p.m. General admission is $18. It's $12 for members and students, and it's free for teens. If you're looking to enjoy a night full of art and music, because why wouldn't you? Then you should stop by the Knockdown Center on Saturday, February 29th. The Art Center in Maspeth is celebrating the opening of three new art exhibitions with pieces like murals, videos, and sculptures that explore human nature and how we interact with technology and our environment. The Knockdown Center will then kick off Outline Winter, a multidisciplinary music series that will feature a special musical lineup. The art exhibit reception starts at 5 p.m., and the music performances start at 8 p.m. Tickets for Outline are 30 online or 35 at the door. That's our show. Thanks so much for tuning in. This episode was co-hosted and co-produced by Angelica Acevedo and me, Jacob K. I also edited and mixed the show. Our reporters are Jenna Backall, Max Parrott, Carlotta Mohammed, Bill Perry, Angelica, and me. Our editor is Zach Gowelb. Music by Blue Dot Sessions. Published by Schneps Media. See you next week.